Tundra Talk is brought to you by Frontier Outfitters and Century Hardware, your locally owned source for hunting, fishing, and shooting gear in interior Alaska. They sell proven gear that will tackle whatever Alaskan tasks you need it to, and Frontier always stays current with gear for the season. Whether you're baiting bears in the spring, fishing, camping, or dip netting in the summer, you're looking for game bags and moose camp gear in the fall, uh, if you need to stock up on trapping lures or just get everything you need to go ice fishing, they've got you covered. They always carry a wide variety of Alaskan-proven clothing and boots, camping gear, meat processing supplies, guns, ammo, reloading and shooting supplies, as well as camping gear and backpacking food. Downstairs in Century Hardware, you'll find a full hardware store naturally, and um, you'll also find your snow machine, ATV, marine accessories down there. They go out of their way to stock plenty, plenty of quality, useful equipment. And whether you're gearing up for a hunting or fishing trip, working on a never-ending home improvement project, or anything in between, it's usually a one-stop shop. Frontier Outfitters is located on 3rd and Old Steese in Fairbanks, and they have a second location in North Pole, so make sure you stop in next time you need to gear up. This episode of Tundra Talk is also brought to you by Hedgecock Group Realtor Rick Lindsay, a guy that can take care of just about any of your real estate needs in the Fairbanks area. Now, the Hedgecock Group has been in Fairbanks North Pole real estate market since the early 80s, and their service is tailored to meet the diverse needs of home buyers in interior Alaska. Now, Rick has lived in Fairbanks for a long time and understands a lot of the less obvious ins and outs of buying and selling property around here. You know, things like water holding tanks and permafrost and all that jazz. Fairbanks is a really unique place to live, and having a realtor that knows what to look for in a quality place can make all the difference. Rick's a Marine Corps veteran and will work hard to get you exactly what you need. And if you're looking to buy or sell real estate in the Fairbanks or North Pole area, reach out to Rick at 907-378-6780. And go check out his Instagram at R-L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-113 at rlindsey113. He's really a passionate outdoorsman. He's just like us. He's one of us. And he loves to share his adventures on there. And he's got a pretty a pretty nice cranker of a ram that I'm jealous of. So go check him out. I know there's lots of you out there that dream of moving to Alaska, but it's a big step and can be kind of intimidating. Landing a solid job before you move can make things run a lot smoother, but you might not be sure of the job market or even really where to look. Now, if you're an experienced ASC certified or GM factory trained technician, I've got good news for you. Chevrolet GMC of Fairbanks is looking to hire qualified service department techs, and they've got enough work to keep you pretty much as busy as you want to be. Fairbanks Chevy has a very busy shop, but they allow for flexible scheduling. They offer top market pay rates with paid overtime, a great benefits package with 401k retirement plan with contribution matching, and you know, for a service tech, you can really make a good solid living. They, they can offer relocation assistance to help get you up here, paid training to get you spun up, and they have a well-lit and well-maintained facility, and these are all things that I mean, help contribute to a great work atmosphere. On top of all that, they make it a priority to allow you to take your vacation time during hunting season, something that is really tough in the, in the service and construction industries here in Fairbanks and can sometimes be a deal breaker for folks like us. Good help and hard workers are always welcome in Fairbanks, and if this is the opportunity you've been waiting for, apply at FairbanksChevy.com or call their service manager, Rick Lindsay, directly at 907-215-6444.
If you're going to be in Fairbanks on March 9th, 2024, make sure you get tickets to the Interior Outdoorsman Banquet at the Carlson Center hosted by Alaska Outdoor Council. They're aiming to make this event the biggest gathering of hunters and fishermen in Fairbanks ever, and there's going to be a ton of great door prizes, including a new Can-Am four-wheeler and also a lot of auctions and raffles once you get there. There's going to be a gun safe raffle, a wall of guns, a wall of bows, deck of cards raffle, cake auctions, silent auctions, and of course the governor's brown bear tag for a Fognac Island is going up there. It's going to be a great time with live music from the Ken Peltier Band, and most importantly, all the fundraising from this event stays in Alaska to support public access and youth outdoor education, which are which the Alaska Outdoor Council is really championing. So the banquet is at 5 p.m. March 9th, 2024 at the Carlson Center in Fairbanks. Tickets are 100 bucks ahead, and they're available online at alaskaoutdoorcouncil.org and may be available at the door, but it's best bet to get them online because they're going fast. That's how you do it. Sounds good. Well, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, joined today by my my work partner in crime, um, shooting editor, Outdoor Life, John Snow. I uh, it's always much better in person over a nice whiskey drink, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I wanted to get you back on, and I think it's like probably a pretty good thing to, we all, we always have stuff to tr- talk about. Like we're total gun nerds and I don't know, like a lot of people that listen to this podcast are too and are in shooting, but there's always like a lot of, I don't know, we're back and forth every day with all sort of stuff that we think is interesting. And, uh, yeah, so I, you know, I kind of want to make it a point to have you on every now and then, and we can geek out about, you know, all sort of shooting and cartridge and hunting rifle stuff. So. Yeah, no, it's it's good to be back and and you know, I think you'd probably agree right now there's just a lot going on. There's a lot to geek out and nerd out about. Yeah, there sure is. I uh I knew starting this year that I would shoot more than last year, but I think it's going to be kind of absurd. I I start I was I've been keeping track of of basically every the round count of everything I shoot this year so far and it's not the end of february and i'm already over five thousand rounds so. <laughs> you're, you're you're getting after it man I, I i love it i'm gonna have to i've been shooting a lot too but it's gonna i'm gonna have to get on it here if i'm gonna have any hope at all of, of keeping yeah. up with you well a little a little bit of that is like is mag, mag dumping for science but uh <laughs> but uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, hundreds of five shot of five shot in more groups, which is something in, you know interesting to get into. But uh, yeah, so I mean, we're we're kind of gearing up for our our annual outdoor life gun test here in a month or so, and post shot show. You know, we would where traditionally most of the new stuff comes out or around that time. You know, we've been just nonstop digging into getting new guns and, and lining stuff up for this gun test. So you've been up to some pretty, some pretty cool projects lately though. What, you know, some of those, like the, the new 22 arc, you're one of the few people I know that has actually shot one with any volume. And, uh, 
yeah, the that one and uh, you know some other interesting rifles like that Seekins six that Seekins six five uh, AR gas gun. That's a pretty pretty interesting one. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it's 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 a it's a good time to be a shooter, you know. And um, yeah, the twenty two arc was was pretty fascinating because you know it sort of plays into sort of the the mutual nerd wheelhouse that you and I live in because you just look at it externally and you can understand why people would be like well what's the point isn't this just another yet another new cartridge yet another just attempt by a by in this case an ammunition company to force us to buy something new when when in fact we've got a lot of other options that do exactly what it does and I kind of I kind of understand that skepticism. I get it. I mean, I always love a new cartridge, but you know, I, I like putting a critical eye on stuff too. And you know, it, it took me it took me a minute um, and and some discussions with with the guys who developed it and the kind of the initial inspirations for it to understand the niche that it occupies. And you know, as I kind of uh, indicated at the at the end of my review. Um, on the on the twenty two arc, which is up on outdoorlife.com, that I I kind of understand it afterwards. The you know the the top line promise of it's pretty simple. You know it's like okay, we're going to give you twenty two two fifty performance out of an AR fifteen, and you know that's correct. It actually it does that, and 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 it actually in many ways it outperforms the twenty two two fifty in 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 some very meaningful ways. But um, but that's kind of a cool promise all of its own because you know like I, I'm a I like shooting the twenty two two fifty you know I think anybody who's into varmint shooting or hunting coyotes or whatever you know we enjoy that and I've got you know at this point I actually only have one twenty two two fifty it's a big old twenty six inch um, heavy barreled single shot savage it's real accurate I mean fun fun gun and um, part of what I did in this project was I shot that. 26 inch barreled gun with with things like 55 grain varmint bullets and i compared it to the new bullets in this 22 arc out of a 20 inch barrel you know much a much smaller um you know much smaller platform and when i ran the numbers and did the testing yeah that that 22 arc not only not only equaled the 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 22250 just in terms of sheer drop which is good but because of the kinds of bullets it can shoot. It just beats the pants off of the twenty two two fifty in terms of wind deflection. So you know, I think, you know, I think Hornaday's got something real legitimate there. And it'll and it'll, you know, we say AR fifteen. We're talking like standard AR fifteen, not longer AR ten type stuff. And it's not actually. I think in magazine capacity, they say it only you know in a what in a fit like twenty six or twenty seven in a thirty round magazine. So you're yeah, talking about it, it, a really it, it, compact cartridge. Ex- exactly. You know, so it's got, um, you know, and, and, you know, people, I'm sh- sure, you know, you know, people who kind of follow this thing, they, they've probably heard of the six arc that came out a couple years ago. And of course it, it, it kind of looks like, oh, okay, well they took the six arc and necked it down. But actually the, in, in reality, the 22 arc predates the six arc by a few years. Um, and, and this is where you kind of get, start to get into the weeds and, and where the cartridge, where the origin stories get pretty interesting. Both, both the arcs, uh, their parent case is the six, five Grendel, you know, and that was introduced back in, um, 2003, 
right? And and you know, and and and, and again, the six five Grendel it still has a de- decent following. It's been eclipsed, I think, by other by other rounds. But that was um, an attempt to get sort of a higher performing. Uh, you know, even even hunting cartridge and certainly predator cartridge in a in an AR fifteen size platform. Now, as soon as that was out, people started messing around with the six uh, five Grendel, necking it up, necking it down, whatever. And so there was this thing called the twenty two Grendel, and and basically the twenty two Arc is sort of the refined version of the twenty two Grendel. And what refined it was, and what's actually refined a lot of our cartridges that are so cool today, was the introduction of uh, sort of new classes of bullets. In this case, it was Hornaday's ELDM line of bullets. They're extreme low drag. That's the ELDM. And the M match thing, you know, these long, heavy for caliber stuff. I mean, you, you've you shot a ton of them. I mean, mm-hmm. what's you, you tell us about your experience with the ELDMs. All the ELDMs are... are- about as accurate as it as it gets you know they uh and i've shot a ton of el the eldx i mean in 6.5 the 143 eldx is like probably my all-time i've killed more more stuff with that bullet than probably any other single caliber and bullet that i know of um i mean it's just a it just works the eldms you know have typically like pound for pound have better a little bit better bcs i mean they're a match bullet and uh, thinner jackets. Um, we have killed a bunch of moose with a 338 Lapua in with a 285 grain ELD match. And that bullet, um, you know, they have a real thin jacket and they expand. But in that, you know, that cartridge bullet combination, there's so much mass there that even at shorter range, they just mushroom out real nice and, and are like extremely effective. But yeah, the, the yeah, the, I mean, they're, you can't say really enough good things about the, how, how accurate and efficient that bullet is. Yeah, no, it's, and, and, and I, and I'm with you. I've killed more stuff with the ELDX in recent years, certainly than I think any other, um, any other bullet. And in six, five, um, you know, whether it's the Creed or the PRC, you know, that's been kind of the sweet spot. So yeah, so Hornaday has that ELDM line that they came out, that extreme load drag. They've got the X for the expanding hunting bullet and the M for the match. <clears throat> Well, when they came out with that M, particularly the the seventy five grainer, um, you know, Greg Hamilton, who's a buddy of mine, who's the head of research at Proof Research, you know, big time competitive shooter, like he he instantly saw the value in that in that ELDM. So he was the first one to run that seventy five ELDM in that twenty two Grendel, and that was kind of the the real kickoff of 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 the birth of of what became the twenty two Arc. And what he was doing was he was looking for kind of a point and shoot, flat shooting uh, competition round where he, you know, because he and he and you know our buddy, you know, outdoor life Sean Murphy, as I like to call him, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they do a lot of those run and gun sniper matches. Well, and, and they dominate, and they dominate. They're the dominating force in all those matches, basically. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, there's no there's no two man sniper competition team in history that comes close to the accolades those two have racked up so anyway in some of these matches you know they've got these big stages a lot of movement they don't have time to range everything and you'll have one guy running a carbine and one guy running a long gun typically and and both guys running pistols as well and so what Greg was wanting to do was to kind of crack the code on how high a performance 22 can we get running a carbine that's portable 
good magazine capacity, but shoots flat where I don't have to range. I can just set a point blank zero or a rough zero a dial and either hold high or on the head and just have it drop in. And so, you know, he was experimenting with that, had success with it and kind of kept in touch with Hornaday about the progress. And of course he wanted Hornaday to make factory ammo so he didn't have to go through the hassle yeah. of necking things down. And Hornaday understandably said, well, Greg, you know, running gun sniper matches, that's a little, that's a little niche, yeah. even for a niche. <laughs> yeah. And, but what they did do is they said they, they identified what they felt was a broader appeal to that in the hunting market, particularly with another bullet they had on the board, which they've just introduced, and that's their VT line. So this is the latest addition to Hornaday's ELD family, the VT Varmint Target. So now they've got the M for the match, the X for the hunting, and now this VT Varmint Target. And the thing that's kind of cool about that, and this is what sort of completes the the 22 arc concept, <clears throat> is they took that 75 grain match bullet and they basically removed a chunk of lead from right behind the tip, creating a, a hollow space behind there. So it's got a, a fairly significant cavity behind the polymer tip there. And what that does is a couple of things. Um, one of which is fairly obvious. It removes weight from the bullet and that allows you to drive it faster, all things being equal. But because it still has the 75 grain profile, it retains a lot of the high BC characteristics, which is nice. So it's lighter, it can be shot faster and it's flat shooting, which is cool. And, th and that's fairly intuitive. But here's the other thing about it, and this is, you know, I, I tried to explain this well, and this is like total ballistic science nerd. It also increased the stability of the bullet. And, um, you know, I guess we can get into that a little bit. So, you know, the center of gravity is sort of the balance point in the middle of, of anything. So the, every bullet has a center of gravity. You can understand that by removing lead out of the tip, the center of gravity moves backwards a bit, right? Well, that's good. W what... What does that do for the bullet? Well, it increases stability because there is something called the center of pressure that acts on every bullet as it flies down range. And the center of pressure is a point on the ogive of the bullet. You know, that's the, that's the, uh, the slanting curve portion between the shank and the tip that, that actually it's a force that, that pushes basically on the nose of the bullet and induces instability. And a bullet can counteract that by its gyroscopic stability. So that's why bullets with faster twist rates can resist that better. But the other thing that allows a bullet to resist that yawing influence, that unstable influence of the center of pressure, is, is there's basically a lever that exists between the center of gravity and the center of pressure. And the longer that lever is, and under, in other words, the further back that center of gravity is, the, the better the bullet's inherent stability is. So they kind of did a couple of really neat things with this VT line of bullets. Um, and I, you know, I've shot the bullet um, a bit in terms of like, you know, on a range. I haven't shot it on animals, but I've talked to a lot of people, you know, the guys at Hornaday, there's one guy in particular there who's a, uh, a coyote hunting fool and some other friends of ours. And, you know, everybody has reported really decisive terminal performance, which makes sense. You yeah. know, it's got that hollow tip behind it. It's going to expand rapidly. So basically what they did was they optimized this cartridge and really the sweet spot is night hunting coyotes with thermals where you're not going to have a chance to range very easily or very often where the image that you're getting through a thermal is kind of flattened out. So you're not even, even in terms of like gaining a sense of perspective, you don't have depth you're perception, limited. yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And so now you've got this, 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 again, it's a niche thing, but it's got this bigger play in the hunting market. And after I kind of have shot it and got walked through the, the under the hood look, I, yeah, I kind of get it. It's, it's a cool cartridge. Yeah. No, it, it, I've talked to a few guys, like one, one of our mutual buddies, I think, I know guys that we've shot deer with it, antelope. I think our one mutual buddy killed antelope with it last fall. Um, just a cool cartridge, you know, like I think people get, wrapped like I said people get wrapped around the axle like with with new cartridges and if you don't if you don't uh you know if you if you just want to use what you use they they there's a lot of cartridges that fill roles really well but there are like the takeaway I think is that there are perceivable differences and like I, I call it like moving the ball forward down the field like there are improvements and uh I guess there was two points like first in around like these improvements it's a lot of the themes are are like seems like common themes that these new cartridges and stuff have is that they're they're capturing what you may be able to match you know like say uh well 7prc what they you know the one of the biggest things they're saying is you know sure you can match you know you can use the same bullets and kind of get a matching matching ballistic profile with like a custom chamber and and you know a lot of custom hand work in a seven rim mag but like a seven prc it offers that you know in a sammy spec cartridge um that's going to be standard from the factory i mean same thing with with the six five creed more or any number of cartridges that you know factory gun factory ammo you'd get a increased level of performance um and then uh the other one was people i think on the 22 arc you because know, it, it you know we're comparing it to the twenty two two fifty. A lot of times, people all people will pay attention to is muzzle velocity, and with these ultralight bullets, you know, like the twenty two two fifty and factory loads, will you know you'll, you'll think that you maybe not understand how that twenty two arc matches it, but with the more more efficient bullets, and uh, you know bullets that you know your run of the mill twenty two two fifty can't shoot. You know, sure, again, if you got a custom barrel, you know, tighter twist barrel and loaded them to this, but the whole is the whole package it you know, in in I don't know, efficiency of bullets and wind drift is another thing that people you know, the, where that thing just spanks the standard twenty two two fifty. And uh I mean I'm interested in that one thing with that ELVT the sixty sixty five green, right? Or sixty two. Sixty two. Sixty two. So that's yeah. It basically has the ballistic profile of the seventy-five grain ELD match with yeah. you know, better stability and less mass. Like I would want to load that thing in a two-two-three for um, service rifle. The thing is, you can't. It's not going to shoot well. Huh. It's not going to. It's it's not going to shoot well because it's too long. I mean, it, again, you can shoot the seventy-fives in the two-two-three a bit, but you have to load them hot, right? So I mean, I, okay, I shouldn't say you can't. But like the 22 arc is, is your answer. Cause the thing is with that VT bullet, even though it's light, you got to remember it's that longer for caliber bullet. Yeah. And so it's gonna, you know, obviously you would need a two, two, three with a faster twist. Yeah. Right? You know, which most well, things most have gone of them to are. So, I'm t- like yeah. service rifle. Cause from shooting, you know, I used to shoot, I used to shoot all sear match Kings, 77 grain or 69 grainers, 77s or 69s at 200 and 300. And then you'd bump up to the 80 grainers that you would have to single load at 600. 
Right. So you know. Yeah. No, no. I mean, no. You can. I, I, I take that back. No, of course you can. You can. You can. You can load that in there. And actually, it will be a good, a good option there. But in terms of like, like the wind drift. I mean, like let's let's put some numbers to it. For example, and and remember, I was shooting. You know, when when I compared, um, you know, when, when I was comparing the uh, uh, the guns, it was that twenty six inch versus the. I said twenty. It was a twenty two inch. Or no, actually no, it was a twenty inch. I, I was right the first time. So we had 26 inch barrel versus the 20 inch barrel. So that 62 grainer out of the 22 arc was going at 3175 out of my gun, out of my mm-hmm. proof research gun. And out of my 26 inch, that 55 grain 2250, 3600 feet per second. I mean, just smoking. But because of the BC at 600 yards, the 22250 drops 63 and a half inches. The 62 grainer drops 64.7, only 1.2 inches of difference, right? So, yeah. I mean, it really is running neck and neck. But now a 10-mile-an-hour crosswind on that 55 grainer out of the 22-250, it's blowing at 41 inches. 41 inches. Big deal. That 62 grainer, because of that BC, under 27 inches. Which is ridiculous so, for a twenty-two cal bullet at that distance. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that that's where you see that's where you see like the justification for this thing. You know, particularly for any long range shooting where, you know, and, and wind calls, as you know, you know, as well as anybody, that's the that's what's hard. We like predicting drop, yeah. like if you know how to do a, a good ballistic profile and stuff, that's you know, that's easy. Uh, yeah. but but that wind factor, man, that's where all the forgiveness and advantage you can get you know, really helps you out. Because I think there's all there's always for my my takeaways there even no matter how good you are at calling the wind, like there's always some uncertainty. <laughs> yep. You know, and yeah, it, but because uh, it's that's like I said that's the most challenging part I think of shooting at any distance, whether you know targets or animals. Um. Yeah, but uh, and it which. It's interesting because this, the 22 arc, you know, like for the guys in place, you can't use thermals or night vision to hunt predators in Alaska, but um, down south where guys are doing it, it's like a, almost like a revival of the, uh, the maximum point blank um, kind of theory, the old, you know, I mean, for dating back to, since they were putting rifle scopes on rifles, guys were, you know, and, and adopting high velocity cartridges to get that, you know, basically a forgiveness in your elevation drop where you can sight it in three inches high at a hundred and you're going to be four or five inches low at 300. And, and that's kind of your, your hold on hair range. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see that because, you know, the style of that, that style of hunting or the, you know, competitive shooting where you, you're just trying to shave time and, and add forgiveness yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, no, it really does lend itself to kind of a point blank range thing. And so like, you know, for example, if I were like sort of just running and gunning with it, I would, I would dial in a hundred yard zero, but then I would just, you know, add in, you know, a mill or, or so of elevation or, you know, you know, two and a half, three inches of elevation. And that's going to get you sort of on, on target, you know, just be, you can basically hold and click you know, out to three fifty, three seventy five on even smaller targets and do well. Yeah. No, and and that, you know, kind of we've been another another kind of side 
shooting nerd topic. We, you know, we've been talking about in both like load development and for accuracy testing rifles. Um, you know, the, I was hearing someone talking about the, the maximum point blank range of the rifle and kind of using that, liking to, preferring to use that protocol. But, uh, we see so much that like a lot of the, the normal hunting rifles aren't really as accurate as you would think, or as most people claim they are. And, uh, you know, that, that come kind of is, is really like a topic, a topic shift, but the way my mind, my mind works in mysterious ways and it will just like take turns and be spurred on by, be spurred on by things. But, um, cause it's kind of an ongoing thing through, you know, some of the research, some of our friends have done and, uh, and we're starting to do with these rifles, like shooting, we've been shooting a lot higher volume of, of, groups for accuracy but also plotting um and i've been shooting some but kind of shooting five shot groups and then plotting them all according to the point of aim you know is really telling in how how a rifle shoots and uh it's funny the resistance you encounter i think a lot of people just don't want to know would rather not know how their rifle really shoots but if you're talking you know when you get into that point blank thing it's pretty important to know how like what you can expect out of your rifle because if you're you know you're counting on your maximum point blank range being 300 yards or 400 yards of being able to hold and still hit that kill zone well if you're if you're shooting a inch a minute and a half gun which is pretty generous like a lot of hunting rifles won't won't hold that consistently um not not with not with the not with our protocol they won't no and then uh you, you know, you're even using that max point blank range. If you're perfectly zeroed, you still got like a 50% chance of missing <laughs> because the way your you, that dispersion pattern expands as you go down, you know, and like, and we've kind of, I mean, we've talked about a lot. We're kind of, and I, I'm kind of shifting more like how accurate I say a gun is based on a larger pad dispersion pattern or a larger group pattern, like 20 shot group or, or I want to at least specify cause you know, you can shoot or, t- or shoot a very high volume of five shot groups. Cause the classic, the classic, you know, up shoot three shots and they're under an inch. That's what that gun does. Well, it will do it sometimes, but you know, 50, you know, whatever the, the exact percentage is, 40% of the time, the groups are going to be bigger than that. <laughs> And, uh, just statistically speaking, you're going to have a big portion of the groups be less than that, but that's not really how it works out in real life because of, you know, human induced error. So, <laughs> you know, more, more of your groups are going to be larger than the average than not. Exactly. Well, and you, and you don't want to, you know, and this comes down, I mean, you and I have talked about this a lot, but it, the upshot is, is that the guns we're testing keep getting less accurate. Yeah. because we're because we're <laughs> yeah. shooting more and our and our and our data sample is bigger and that and obviously there's, there's that's a little facetious but it's but the but the result is true um and kind of to your point you've really been driving the bus on this in a way that I think is super beneficial to to our audience and anybody who kind of follows you and pays attention to what you're doing but you know if, if I, you know, again, I, I would just sort of say, just as a general thing to anybody out there listening, if you have a favorite rifle and a favorite load, you know, that, that you're, you know, that just works for you and you really want to understand how well your gun shoots and where its point of impact actually is, 
dedicate a box of ammo to the project. Go out, shoot four or five shot groups, or actually, or you could shoot, there are a bunch of ways you can do it. You can either shoot a 20 shot group on a, on one target, or you can just shoot four or five shot groups and then overlay them and take a look. And, you know, there's software out there that's free where you can kind of analyze, um, you know, analyze this stuff. And what it'll tell you is it will actually indicate where the center of that group is. But until you get to about 20 shots, your sample size is just too small. Um, Because you're going to have, to your point, you're going to have a a portion that are going to look great and make you feel like amazing. And then you're going to have a portion that's just like out there and you're probably going to say you flinched or it was a flyer or something else when it wasn't. You know, 20, 20 shots... You know, again, you, you know, you don't have to do it with a million types of ammo, but if there's, if you have a favorite gun and a favorite load, do that, do that exercise, five, four shot groups, you know, let your barrel cool between them. Um, and, and that is going to paint a much more, um, valid picture of your rifle's performance. Yeah. And there's benefits to that. And a lot of this was kind of, I, I've learned a tremendous amount since, you know, coming full time doing this job. I mean, I've, I've been a competitive shooter. I shot and reloaded since I was 15 or 16. And, uh, it's really the last year or two has been like <laughs> kind of awake. Like, I, I don't know who I am anymore <laughs> type of moments, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's been really, you know, like realizing how much gunpowder I've wasted, not wasted, but isn't the right word, but just how inefficiently I've done things for so many years. And a lot of it, you know, well, you know, a lot of this stuff we're talking about specifically was spurned on by the data that um, a couple of the guys over at Hornady who just shoot for a living, basically, and accumulate data for a living, um, they published in, they've got a few really informational, good podcasts, like I, I don't know what episode it was of theirs, but uh, your groups, your groups are too small. <laughs> was yep. was the one and like it's really got the wheels turning and so i've started to change like experiment and change some of the ways i do things and eh, like they're pretty pretty on point um it's pretty right you know i uh i would always just load develop you know it, because their their thing is like a 20 shot group or or aggregate of of five shot groups that make a 20 overlaid make a 20 shot group is basically getting to the point where your variability drops down and that you can consistently say like, all right, this is what this rifle is going to shoot like, or say, you know, if you shoot a bunch of five shot groups there, the odds are that they're almost all going to fall within the circle of that 20 shot group. So then you can calculate, you can calculate exactly where your zero is. I don't know how many times at the range you know, I would, I would do, you know, chasing the one, chasing single bullet holes around the paper <laughs> or, uh, yeah, no, or even it, shooting I mean, three I, shot or even shooting three shot groups. Um, there's it's just really opened up this, uh, I don't know, this box of like, holy shit, I've been an idiot for so long, you know, or in, in a lot of unanswered questions over the years and weird stuff happening, has suddenly resolved, you know, they talk, you know, they talk about load development uh, and even some of the statistics that they've found um, that's changed load development for me, you know, and, you know, you, you think, all right, well, loading up 10, you know, for a, a trial starter load, loading up 10 or 20 shots, 
you know, they just want me to, they just want me to buy more bullets <laughs> and I'm sure they do. But, um, you know, when you add up, you know, I, I, I think I even wrote, you know, if you do, so what I've been doing lately, if I'm just experimenting with a load is load 10 rounds of, you know, drop a grain and a half off max or a grain off max load, load 10 rounds, shoot it. If it, if it shoots well, like I'll maybe load another 10 to check. And if that's, if that's still laying off, I might load 10 or 20 to like just shoot a 20 shot group to check my zero and verify. And this is even being a little excessive. So you end up with 30 or 40 rounds to say like, yes, this is a, at most to say like, this is a good load I want to go with in my rifle zeroed or I'm moving on. Whereas what I, I used to do was I would do, you know, four or five sets of five cartridges with at each grain, you know, and I'll do all these increments, you know, to test. And then I'd find one that was like the most accurate and then bracket that by a 10th or two grains with, you know, 15 more shots. And by the time you end up coming up with a load that you think is good, you're 50 or 60 rounds into it. And then to a few months later, you're the next time you go to the range, you shoot one and the group is way bigger than you expect than you, than you thought it should be. So you start questioning everything and sometimes start over, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a buy once cry once kind of thing. (laughs) And, and you're, you know, between just your time, the uncertainty, heck even gas money. Yeah. Just going back and forth, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you, you might as well, you know, take the, take the bigger, you know, cut at the plate out of the gate and, and, and get, you know, data that's going to be, that you can really actually kind of rely on rather than just kind of nibble around the edges like, like we all used to do. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, uh, it's kind of humbling because, you know, everyone, everyone likes to just have latch onto that one that one tight group it shoots, but I've been shooting a lot of rifles and a lot of them will shoot a few tight groups. Not many of them will shoot a lot of, will shoot very consistently. You know, it just kind of in, you know, you just got to change your expectations a little bit because the rifle you have is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. You can hunt, you know, you can hunt for the rest of your life with it and not, and not ever have an issue, but like if you if you really if you want to have an advantage, it pays to really like know the answer. It's like it's like going to the like you don't want to go to the I don't want to go to the dentist because I don't want to hear how bad I how I've not been flossing enough and, and all this you know hear all these bad or go to the doctor you know because I don't want to know how bad the situation really is, um, you know you but but it is beneficial to know um which you know speaking of rifles like you you know you've been. I've been shooting a bunch of stuff. You've been shooting a bunch of stuff. We could switch gears a little bit. One rifle that I, uh, or I've been shooting a couple rifles that have been pretty impressed by that, um, Browning, uh, the X bolt 2.0, which incorporates some, some minor changes to their action. And now like I, they hadn't offered it in a carbon wrap barrel version yet. And I got one of the, it's the McMillan, McMillan stocked, um, short barrel suppressor ready, with uh, preferred barrels is, is what they put on there. And like I told you, I said, I've, I'll do some like load development stuff just for fun, but I've got to stop shooting that gun or I'm going to shoot every, every round of ammo I have for it. Cause it, it yeah, shoots no, we, so we well. Haven't, we, we haven't, we haven't been able to pry that gun out of your hands. You've been, you've been just going to town with it. Yeah. It's, uh, 
it's border borderline unhealthy, but I mean, I I'll bet it. I'll bet it can't kill a grizzly. That probably can't. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, that rifle's been. I mean, I think I have thirty nine five shot groups recorded, and the average of all of them with like six or seven different types of ammo, the average of all of them is like point six inches. And of course, That's I've remarkable. been I've been plotting. 20 shot and one load I did, I did 20, 30 and 40 shot group plots. And I mean, I think all of the 20 shot groups were in the like 0.7 to 0.8 inch range. Um, yeah, that's a shooter. It's yeah. Just silly. Like right. Even among good shooting rifles, like it's, that's still something kind of special. You know, people, yeah, especially for a hunting weight rifle. How yeah, much does it, that thing weigh? Would you say? I don't remember what it weighs, but it's light. I mean, I would take it sheep hunting. It's even, I was kind of surprised at how light it is, even with that, that big McMillan stock on there. Um, well, and, and honestly, a gun that shoots that well and is kind of a rugged sort of constructed gun. Yeah. I'd take that in the mountains any day. That's exactly what I want. Oh yeah. Even if, even if it costs me a few ounces. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm built, I'm, well, when I get, when the, when I get the parts I'm building and working on building a little, like an 18 inch barreled. Six five Creedmoor to probably take sheep hunting this year. That hopefully should shoot. <laughs> if it shoots like nearly as well as this one, I'll be I'll be very pleased. But um, got a hold of a couple titanium suppressors and and that short short bar- shorter barreled rifle with the can is nice. That's nice to shoot, and I want to kind of move that direction. Yeah, that's kind of become you know that that's sort of where a lot of things are settling, and it wasn't that long ago that. You know, we were we were seeing all these longer barreled standard cartridge chamberings, these longer barrel rifles, which I was never a huge fan of. But you know, people wanted that speed, and there was a, I don't know, just a sense that that was a better kind of long range, had better long range capability. And um, and you know, since with the with the really the exploding popularity, continued popularity of suppressors for general shooting and certainly for hunting, you know, things are kind of going back where a lot of 20 inch barrels or shorter, depending on what you're doing, but Mm -hmm. you know, 20 inch barrels are almost becoming the norm for a lot of like kind of lightweight get after it type hunting rigs. Yeah. And I mean, most of the time a rifle like that, like I'm not going to be whether a sheep or caribou, whatever it is, I'm not going to be shooting them at eight or 900 yards. You know, that's just like, I've never, never had to, and I don't, I don't need to. So it doesn't really matter. If you know you lose 150 feet per second or or whatever whatever the case may be, um, but uh, yeah, that and then I've been also shooting a lot. I've shot like 500 rounds through this uh, Palmetto State Armory AR-10. Their Saber, it's like a M110 kind of clone that's more affordable. They're like 1,200 bucks, I think. It's got a, a lot of good you know good quality parts. Um, you know, Magpul PRLS light stock. And the one I got's in 6.5 Creedmoor, um, 18-inch barrel. I broke it <laughs> running it. I was running it over, way over-gassed. Uh, once I, you know, I just kind of tuned the gas. And then and then the next trip, put a can on it and just left the can on and kept shooting. And, uh, you know, you run into issues. I'm finding that that gun, you do need to be very careful about uh about tuning the gas for whatever load and and suppressor or not suppressor uh, that you're that you're shooting um, to and I w- I have been able since then to keep it running really nice and slow and smooth because um, I 
basically destroyed a buffer and threw a different one. It threw a little bit heavier one in there, and um, that that rifle has been average with a lot of, a lot of different loads. You know, has been averaging twenty shot groups at right at an inch or so, um, maybe another tenth or or so. I don't have the sheets right, the data right in front of me, but uh, been really impressed with that. But it's and it's kind of a fun one because you just reviewed that Seekins. Um, SP 10, is it that six, five gas gun? Yeah, no, I, I did. And, and that thing, uh, has just shot, you know, like a, like a house on fire, man. I mean, it was, um, you know, especially with, um, especially with 140 grain, um, um, you know, uh, bullets, you know, that's kind of the, the chamber that, uh, that, uh, that thing is, um, you know, sort of optimized for. And yeah, I mean, it was just hammering, you know, everything from, you know, things in the point fours to the, to the point eights. And, you know, for, for a gas gun, I mean, that is just, you know, fantastic performance. Um, you know, and, and it's just, it's got a lot of kind of smart, uh, technology in it that, um, sort of enhances its its inherent accuracy you know the the way that the the handguard connects to the receiver gives it a, a genuine sort of free free floating capability um you know and and that and and it's just like it's kind of stiff and tough and it's a and it's a gun that's that's currently being fielded in a, in a slightly different version um by some of our special forces guys so you know, it's, it's got, it's got a lot of, it's got a lot going for it, but yeah, like the sort of the, 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 the group of like the best match ammo I shot through it, like the, the average of that was about 0.650 inches, which for, again, a gas gun is just, is just remarkable. And, you know, one of the things that's fun about that gun is because, you know, this is one of the separators for like kind of dynamic performance of a gas gun versus a bulk. And when you have a, a gun that recoils softly like that, you can actually get it's it's shocking when you get behind that trigger and you start running it. You've got a piece of steel like a, a moderate sized target at five hundred. It's unbelievable how fast you can get rounds on that thing. Yeah, just boom, 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 boom. Like you drive that gun correctly, and all of a sudden you're elevating that performance just through the volume of fire, the rate of fire, um, well beyond um, you know well beyond what a what a standard bolt gun can do. It's it's a it's it was a, it's a neat configuration. I, I really I really like it. Yeah, no, it's been, and I'm excited to write this one up because it's kind of like the, this PSA one. Because they, I mean, they make like their kind of PSA branded guns are, are, uh, they're definitely cheaper, um, you know, more affordable guns. But that's not like, you know, and, and sometimes like they, I think they get made fun of on the memes pages for, uh, you know, just having affordable guns. But uh, so far, what I've shot of the, of there's, you know, there's no free lunch, and you get what you pay for. But um, they're pretty good guns for the money. You know, and this one in particular, like, you know, it's however many what two thousand dollars or more, maybe cheaper than the Seekins. Yep. <laughs> you know, and it it shoots well. Like it, and it depends on what you want and what you're willing to save for. And you know, the the trade off is like you're going to occasionally break. You know, I broke a, a bolt cat. You're going to break apart now and then. You know, <laughs> you should have some some AR, a few AR tools and spare parts, and uh, you're going to have to like more carefully tune it to to what you're doing. But um, I've been pretty 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 happy with how that's 
how with how that gun's shot. And then uh, I guess finally, like my my cheap guns <laughs> roundup, I've I got a hold of uh, which Mil- military armament corporation that uh, they used to make the Mac, you know, the Mac nine mac 11 whatever submachine guns that the, the company's right. defunct and gone the name like is under uh that company whatever it is is uh in SDS. turkey now under sds imports which makes like t-sauce and turkish guns get get a bad rap and uh some of them are horse like dog shit some of them are bad but uh <laughs> I kind of like, I got to shoot the, they, they came out with a, the a Mac nine, which is a, just a 2011 clone for like a thousand bucks or so. And I, I got to shoot one at the, at the range at shot show. And it's like, yeah, this thing's not too bad. And I, I mean, anytime I see like a bargain gun that I think might have potential, like I gotta, I want to try it. Cause I want them to do good. Like as much as of a gun snob as I'm becoming because of you, I, uh, and I guess my own shooting and just getting fed up with, with bullshit. Um, you know, I still want like a, uh, like an affordable gun to do well. Um, I think I, I, I have struck a balance of like not expecting it to be something it's not. And I get irritated with some, well, some of these Turkish guns I've shot that are like super fancy looking and they're, they're just like try they're failing at being something they're not. And rather than it's, just it's, it's the lipstick on a pig. Rather, yeah, rather thing. than just a well-executed, like simple thing. Like, I mean, we're getting in the weeds too. But an example of that was the uh, that Taylors and Company, who imports guns. I think oh, they're made in the Philippines. You know, we had a 1911 at our gun test last year, and I tested a 10 millimeter 1911. It's nothing fancy, but like it's got simple, like Parkerized coatings. But everything works, and it's in it was solid it was a solid gun for the money um but anyway this mac i've got one of these uh double stack nine mil 1911s basically like a poor really poor man staccato p <laughs> um <laughs> and uh they and i saw that the even when we were kind of looking through their stuff at shot show they had uh the mac 1014 which is a benelli m4 clone which there's been a lot of those over the years but this i got one in wood I thought that looked pretty awesome in, in wood. So I was like, I got to get one of these and just see if I can break it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I having my fingers crossed and I've thrown, I've thrown coffee cans full of, you know, pre lead band duck loads and buckshot and slugs. And I think I've got like three, almost 300 rounds through it now. And it has not malfunctioned yet, even with light, you know, field clays loads that, you know, I've had literally sitting in coffee cans and ammo cans for 20 years. Um, that's that's awesome. So that's that's pleasant. Um, that's oh, it's funny. I've been I've been going. I mean, I've been going the opposite way. I've been <laughs> shooting a couple of my high end snobby guns, and and one of which is this rifle from Mac Brothers. I got which, um, you know, again, it's it's a it's a spendy bill. But the thing that I like about it is that I think, from my perspective, it embodies sort of uh, all the sort of the state of the art construction of like a lightweight hunting rifle that actually really be good in, in competition like NRL Hunter, which is what it's sort of built for. And it just uses a bunch of like best in class components and design ideas. You know, it's got that, that manners, um, LRH, uh, stock on it that, that has uh, a little Arca rail section in front of the mag. Well, it's got a little inset 
pick rail up front so the pick rail isn't just hanging off the fore end. Mm-hmm. It's it's recessed a little bit. It's got, you know, QD cups for sling attachments, which to me are just, you know, sort of a, a, a you know, I, I, if I don't have a QD cup on, on, on my rifle, I get, I get really bratty about it. I just can't stand a <laughs> swivel stud anymore. Well, you know, I've, I've had them, you know, on guns and they twist out and, or pull out, you know, like on a mountain hunt or something, it's just a pain in the butt. Um, you know, and, and it's got a, a, you know, the, the profile of the stock is, you know, it takes, you know, it's got a nice flat bottom end, big, generous vertical grip, great trigger control. It's got a trigger tech trigger. It's got a nice, very accurate carbon fiber barrel. You know, so not only is it just accurate off the bench, but it's dynamically good. You know, mm-hmm. you can really, you can run this thing quickly off positions, off a bag or whatever. And, and it's just shooting like, um, you know, like a house on fire. I've got about 20, you know, a couple dozen uh, five shot groups through it. And, you know, the, the overall average size is right around 0.6 inches with stuff. And, and if you weed out a couple of the types of ammo that just aren't shooting quite as well, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's legitimately around a half inch gun, which, you know, everybody says, Oh, if I do my part, well, this, this, this gun's actually, actually doing that. And, uh, you know, it's actually worth talking about the ammo a little bit because, you know, that's the gas in the tank for our guns. And sometimes the ammo gets a little short shrift, but, um, a couple, a couple, loads have really been impressing me lady lately. And one is, you know, Sierra is, is loading a a number of things and obviously their match King is a great load. And I've been having a lot of success with that, but their tipped game King has been shooting for me every bit as good as their tip match King. I mean, in a really impressive way. And I've, I've killed, you know, a couple animals with game Kings over the years, but it's been a long time. It's not a bullet I tend to gravitate to, but based on what I've been seeing in some of our testing lately, I am definitely, definitely gonna hunt with that round this fall. So that Sierra tip game King, I'm pretty stoked about. And then, you know, Sako also makes um, loaded ammo and they've got their TRG line. And of course, if you know me, I've got that TRG 22A1, that Sako, like my favorite rifle ever, just yeah. for how amazing <laughs> it shoots. And that, uh, that loaded Sako ammo is really worth looking at too. They've got um, that 6.5. It's loaded with the 139 green CNR. And that Lapua CNR yeah. is just one of the greatest bullets for accuracy, you know, on the planet. And um, there's, there's a bought, funny. I just bought 10 boxes of that stuff. So I'm, I'm yeah. anxious to see how it shoots. Well, you're going to have to burn some of it up and report back. Um, but yeah, no, those, you know, that Sierra tip game King man shooting like a house on fire and, and that Saco, that uh, bullet hold ammo. that tip game King bullet holds together. Well, too. The only thing I, I shot that a moose with it, um, in the six, eight Western. And that's the only, the only cartridge I've shot it in with the one seventy fives, And in all the factory ammo, I shot like it shot well. And, uh, that moose was like a hundred yards I shot him three times and recovered one bullet. And, uh, I mean, it was like, I don't remember the percentage, but it was like a, a, you know, as it should be type of bullet. Um, well, I think, I think I remember seeing some of your, uh, autopsy pictures Yeah, (laughs) too. I mean, I mean, that thing was pretty devastating if I recall right. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, so it, it means kind of along the lines of a ELDX type 
action. You know, I wasn't sure how, how it would hold up and, and it was, then that was at pretty close range too, you know, so again, going, th- that one was through a shoulder. The other, the other ones were just right in and out both sides, but, uh, no, it's, uh, that's a pretty good bullet. I've got some of those ordered to experiment with some hand loading too. Um, we don't, I mean, we get, I, you know, you and I, guys like you and I, and there's plenty other of us like out there get wrapped up in all the, in all this stuff. You know, you don't have to, a lot of people, that's not their jam, but there's like never been aside from, if aside from gunpowder, not being $5 a pound, there's never been a, a better time to be a shooter as far as bullets go. You know, oh, there's no. some awesome I mean, we're options. Just, we're just spoiled. It's just so much fun. You know, but every now and then you've got a challenge. Like right now, I've got a six five fifty five Swede that I'm pretty stoked about. Wood stocked gun. It's a really pretty. It's a handsome gun. Oh, it's that'll a that, it's it, that'll do everything that a Creedmoor can do and more. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> just just shoot. Yeah, it, it does more. Like more bigger dispersion patterns. Um, but but again, the factory ammo for that has been very limited so far, and so and and it's been kind of interesting because I'm not used to shooting. You know two and a half inch <laughs> yeah. groups for, yeah. from a, from a, from a sporter, you know, a good sporter rifle like that. And, uh, so I'm starting to go down the hand load path and I've already knocked, uh, more than an inch off of the average group size. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep chipping away at that and, and see where, where, where I can get it. Heck yeah. I, uh, now I got I got a few hand loading projects here come this year, you know, and a lot of calibers, you know, obviously like a lot of six five stuff, um, which I really haven't hand loaded for much lately. I've been uh I've been like gradually slowly burning up all of, of my old accumulated six five Creedmoor hand loads. <laughs> I, uh, the rifle I took sheep hunting last year, that Springfield Redline twenty twenty, which that was a good shooting rifle too. I got it. I didn't have much factory ammo. But I had maybe a couple hundred rounds each of two different previous hand loads that I'd worked up for other rifles years before that had been sitting on the shelf. And I tried both of those and picked the one that shot better and killed a sheep with it. And, uh, you know, through this browning and dug out my old Ruger Precision rifle and uh, and this PSA, I've been shooting old those old hand loads, you know. Some of these guns, that the, you know, the PSA shoots well and it shoots a lot of stuff well and that browning just seems like everything i could throw at it just shoots shoots really well yeah so. it's it's nice when you get a when it, when you get a gun that's just that reliable and that consistent over over a broad swath of of loads there's yeah. just something very comforting about it yep the only other one that i can think of is that and i'm sure i've mentioned it before is that set that stupid savage 110 carbon with the proof barrel in 223 that thing shoots everything really well and and a number of things exceptionally well um so yeah but uh well yeah aside from our you know well our gun test kind of got me thinking um you know there's some interesting we should have a number of lever guns because lever guns were like big i don't seem like a lot of companies were introducing lever guns um i'm interested to shoot that smith and wesson 44 mag lever yep, gun and you, there's some other companies like taylor's and company is i think going to get us a lever gun to shoot and uh based on how you know it's a cut for a lot of the import you see them at shot show like a lot of the import companies you know there's 
a million of them and there's a million different gu- just a sea of guns and you know I'm glad we had we got to shoot those 1911s because I I'm really interested to see how you know how well cuz I, I there's got to be some gems out there that are just really good quality well this this Mac shotgun you know I mean I'm going to get a thousand rounds through it and if it if it ends up being dependable you know that would be a great just camp gun or you know bear baiting whatever bear defense shotgun um so i'm kind of excited about that and even some of these 44 mag you know i kind of knock 44 mag as a is a revolver cartridge for bear defense because i think the 10 millimeters better for a number of reasons and we've kind of tested that too but out of a carbine you know 44 mag you can get some pretty some pretty effective performance even especially with uh you're using those lehigh bullets like that like hoffman uh, black hills um honey badger loads you know out of a carbine you're talking about a little bit different animal oh my god well that's one of the things those like those pistol calibers you know when you run them through a lever gun i mean they they transform into a different animal i mean they elevate to a whole other level of performance and then you couple that i mean we spent a lot of time talking about advances on the rifle side with these bullets and you know different kinds of things well you know there's there's a corresponding um um sort of innovation effort on the on the pistol bullets with some of these like the honey badger type bullet and stuff like that where they're sort of making us rethink terminal performance and and again getting away from the very old metric of looking at a grain weight and looking at a velocity or and looking at just muzzle energy and pretending that that equal terminal performance you know correlation is not causation and and we're seeing some bullets you know i and i'd throw that that honey badger in there that are kind of redefining um you know, that, that need a new way, a more accurate way of thinking about terminal ballistics. So, yeah, I think, I mean, my God, you know, that uh, a good 44, handy 44 carbine with with that kind of load. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to be the bear on the other side of that. No, man, you can fit, you know, you can, it would be interesting to look at that because especially if you compared maybe a more traditional, because you can get those bullets in 4572, but 4570 is kind of, like really blossomed as the cartridge every, you know, like the lever gun cartridge for bears that everyone or bear defense, you know, that everyone, uh, everyone points to, and it's effective. Um, and you know, there's like, you know, I think there are 325 green bullets that, uh, black Hills loads in the honey badger line. That's Lehigh. They're, they're all Lehigh defense, extreme defense or, you know, similar bullets. But, uh, like I would be interested to see how you know a traditional you know three hundred grain or four four hundred five you know hot loaded four hundred five grain uh, forty five seventy load would compare to like a forty four mag honey badger load out of a, out of a carbine or or a lever rifle. Um, I bet eh, you probably would see like a bigger wound cavity with the forty four. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, no, I would, I would, I would tend to think so as well. Yeah, like okay. you said, uh, uh, everyone kind of leans on just the num- muzzle energy as a as a number that means something, and I guess it does mean something, but it doesn't mean everything. And there's, you know, you've seen we've seen it in just I, I don't know, I guess how 
almost every caliber, any caliber you could think of that's popular has been transformed by bullet technology. You know, the, the lighter stuff, the six fives, um, why the nine millimeter is like the dominant handgun cartridge in the world now, you know, and, and a lot of the larger stuff has kind of faded away for, you know, like a duty or personal defense application because the bullet technology has allowed them basically to perform within a very tight margin of what the larger, larger cartridges can. Yeah, exactly. You know, we sort of see that performance gap close and it's a little bit of the less is more, you know, in terms of shootability, you know, magazine capacity and other things, it's, you know, it, it helps make the case for the, the, nine millimeter Luger is like sort of the, just the ultimate sort of defensive, um, you know, round for, for at least human type defensive situations. Yeah. Anyway, what do you got? Uh, you got, uh, any other, any other projects up your, up your sleeve? I know we've talked about doing, uh, kind of investigating through work. It's like work is, I don't know, in some ways work is my excuse to investigate these things (laughs) is my avenue to investigate these things that I'm, I'm already curious about. But, uh, you know, like I said, it really was, is kind of an earth changing. A lot of this information that's come out on just act rifle accuracy and data and how that applies to like just hand loading and stuff. So I, you know, I'm going to work on working on scheming the protocol to do this story on seeing if um, nodes are a real thing. Because the old hand loader thing of finding the nodes in your rifle, you know, where, where it's the most forgiving, you know, little range of, of charge weights, you know, basically depending on how you get, won't get way into it, but depending on how you're kind of hitting that frequency, that vibration of your rifle with. Anyway, you probably can get the point that I'm skeptical. I have my expectations for what's going to happen, but I'm going to just go through and and try to find the nodes on a couple different rifles, and I'll find I'll find them, load a bunch of ammo, and increase the volume, and see what happens. See if they disappear or if they don't. Yeah, exactly. No, it's a, it's a great it's a great. Um process to to undergo and i think it'll be very valuable i'm i mean i have a sense of of how that's going to shake out and in and in part just based on my own experience when i've like really gone deep into certain cartridges that i'm trying to work up and fine tune for competition whether it was like the six creed back in the day or the six gt or the 300 prc and i conduct you know multiple versions of ladder tests and and you know i haven't done it in the methodical way that you're going to do it but you know, one of the things I saw is when I overlaid those um, those charts that that plotted charge weight and velocity, that the flat spot one time wasn't the flat spot the next time, wasn't the flat spot the time after that. And when I overlaid all of them, lo and behold, it started to look like a pretty linear yeah. one-to-one progression <laughs> yeah. up. And 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 honestly, you know, I think that this experiment you're going to do I mean, we'll see, we'll see what it shows, but you know, it's going to be one of these kind of pieces of knowledge that I think is really going to help people rethink how they, how they develop loads and, um, you know, it'll save them time and money and and give them more accurate, actionable information. I mean, I know that I already kind of embody that. Like I've got, I've gotten away from nodes and in part because like with my own team shooting, my partner shooting, 
you know, when I'm, when I'm working with Chris Giddings and, you know, he's a Dasher guy, like he went into the Dasher ecosystem and I went into the 6GT ecosystem and the 6GT is a little bigger than the Dasher, but you know, they're very, they're kissing cousins and we run the same bullet. And usually what we'll do is when we do load development is we'll just kind of talk things through and we'll just say, Hey, we're going to, let's drive our bullets. Let, let's match our speeds, you know, 2840 or whatever that, that number is. And you know, if I've got a part uh, powder H4350 or a Varget or whatever that I just like, I know is temperature insensitive, you know, so on and so forth. I, I don't hesitate anymore just to tweak the powder charge to get to that. I don't, I don't, I, I don't have any sense of, oh, am I risking something because I'm out of a, a quote unquote node? I, I don't, I don't mess with that at all. So, yeah, no, well, and that's kind of in, in, my thinking with this and the the end goal is to help myself and other people kind of like, like be able to accomplish what they're wanting to accomplish more, more efficiently. And without, without having to, you know, quote unquote, waste as much money or, or time and effort, like all this stuff, we, you know, we, we like tink, you know, anyone who likes reloading, likes tinkering with stuff, um, but there are efficient ways to go about it and there are inefficient ways to go about it. And, you know, taking some of this information that's been presented by, you know, like guys like the guys at Hornady and just going to really like, it's not quite good enough for me to, to stand behind it. I mean, I, I, it makes sense and what I've seen and done so far checks out, but it's important for, to me to go do some of this stuff and like accumulate my own data and see myself if I'm going to be talking about it, you know, to an audience or telling people that, Hey, you know, this is, or isn't the way to go. Um, and it lets me shoot more. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, and that, and that's the beauty, that's the beauty of, of what you and I get to do is that we, we can, we can chase some of these ideas down and, you know, we have some, the support and the resources to, to burn up a few hundred bucks of ammo in, in, in search of, of good data, um, that, that'll hopefully help other people. Whereas, you know, that's a lot, much bigger lift. There's some guys who do that on their own and my hat's off to them. But, uh, for a lot of guys that feels and understandably so pretty prohibitive. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, if we, you know, if, if, through all this stuff, which I can't, I, my motives are may not be pure because I do enjoy, I do enjoy the process and getting to, getting to do the extra shooting. But I, cause I've been the guy so many, like I've burned through so many pounds of gunpowder, just chasing my tail, you know, messing with, you know, a few, you know, a couple tenths of increments in charge weight, trying to find like that absolute sweet spot when really, yeah, I probably should just switch gunpowder or switch bullets. <laughs> or exactly. or, ch- or change what I'm expecting to see, but uh, no, it's it's so much fun, and you know we you know we're wanting to look into all kinds of things. Like we're, and I think in the digital age, you know, the outdoor life's been digital for a few years now. We we kind of have this freedom. It seems like to chase some of these things that we see just in the in the I don't know culture atmosphere among hunters and shooters. You know, just from from stuff we see on the internet or, or read or hear, you know, like like you know your idea of of testing a couple different calibers in the same rifle to see, you know, it'll be like 
really is there is there a difference is one of these calibers really more accurate than the other um but doing it like with a lot of data a lot of data to back it up um there's all kinds of cool ideas that we get chased down and we're fortunate because of it yeah exactly i mean it's i mean really the the limit is our just our time and our imagination yeah and you the <laughs> listener have to, to suffer through this occasional <laughs> just just diarrhea <laughs> of the mouth when it comes to to gun stuff but you know that's so that's okay yeah yeah that's funny that is funny yeah. So yeah, no, we we're prepping for our big gun test. You know, that's going to be kind of the focus. Are there you know, for uh, both of us? Which are there? You know, it looks like it's going to be a pretty big lineup. I know a rifle I'm excited to shoot is that Seekin Slam. Um, oh yeah. That, well, I've got I've yeah. got one in my hot little hands in six five PRC <laughs> that I've been putting some rounds through, and and I just love the configuration of it. It's sort of the you know, in some ways you could say it's kind of the ultimate modern, like mountain gun, just, you know, Glenn did such a good job with it. Um, I'm, I'm getting a second one sent because I'm snobby that way and, and six, five Creed. So, so far in six, five PRC, it's been shooting okay, but not lights out for me. And in fairness, I haven't put a ton of different loads through it, but you know, some of the better ammo has been averaging about, um, 1.3 inches. I've had some, you know, with five shot, with five shot groups. Yeah. Five shot groups. And, you know, and again, it is a, 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 you know, the barrel has, you know, deep spiral fluting on it's lightly contoured and so on and so forth. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, giving up on this rifle by any means, not, not even a little bit. Um, and in fact, I, you know, one of my, one of my plans this weekend is to, um, you know, I've got, I've got some really good components and some good, uh, reloading data. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll up some, some beautifully crafted, um, rounds, for this rifle and see, see what that kind of looks like. Um, you know, that said, you know, it really is. And it kind of, you know, again, this plays into my bias and I think you've got this bias too, but I'll let you speak for yourself. You know, it's, it goes back into the less is more. And, you know, I even know talking with Glenn that I know that they're offering this rifle in seven PRC and not that it'd be a mistake to get it in seven PRC, but you know, by Glenn's admission, you know, this really light rifle, that's about the limit of what you want to handle as a shooter and, and kind of what you want the rifle to handle well um, on top of it. And, you know, and it becomes this argument again, to go back to, because this is like, this is like a sub five pound rifle i think yeah, right yeah yeah no it, it's 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 a dainty thing it's got a beautiful folding stock on it with like a super stiff hinge like like one really cool thing and i'm going to show you on the video is like you see that the the, the so the bolt here goes there there's yep. a notch cut out in the chassis that folds over it to so secure that the pins bolt. the yeah yeah secures the bolt and this and this um hinge is so stiff that that's not that's not going anywhere, and so this is a rifle you can legitimately stick in your pack, keep it out of the elements, um, and and just you know, and also it's it, it'll carry better in your pack, right? Yeah. The weight will be in a better position on your body, um, you know, and and it's just it's just super cool. I mean, it's got a lot of great features on it, and you know, just good, good trigger guard. It's got a big oversized trigger guard for, for glove use in the mountains. Their this, magazines this mag- are really cool. 
oh my god, the magazine almost floats away. Like you've got to like grab this thing before yeah. it gets up to the ceiling. You know, it's so light. It's just this wisp of a carbon fiber mag, but it but it feeds well, and you know, it's got like cool little touches like uh, bubble level in the back there, so you can kind of keep an eye on your cant, and even the pick rail on top. The, the rails themselves are machined out a little bit in there to, to remove, you know, grams of weight, you know. So, you know, everything on this thing has been, you know, just kind of super, you know, thought through. And, um, you know, and I think, I think it has a lot of promise. I think in 6.5 Creed, I have high, high expectations for it. 6.5 PRC, I'm pretty stoked with it myself. And uh, I'm going to see if, if hand loads and other ammo get it to a, a place that I'll feel better about it. But like if this gun, if I can get this rifle to where I want, I'm definitely, I've got a, I've got a big um, backpack solo or not solo, but a DIY elk hunt plan this fall. And, and, you know, um, barring some disaster, this is, this is the rifle I'm going to be taking. Nice. Yeah. I'm green, green with envy. But that's yeah, okay. I know, and I'm just showing it off <laughs> yeah. in front of you. And and, and, and the thing is, like, t- Tyler sounds like he's smiling right now, but I can see the twitch. He's got that Clint Eastwood <laughs> twitch in the corner of his eye where he's like, you son of a... That's all right. So, you stay over, yeah. I'll play with my toys over here, and you play with your toys over there, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, you're, I mean, you're, you're, you're reenacting the, the Battle of the Bulge and uh, Chozon Reservoir and all that kind of stuff. It's not like... It's not like you're you're not having fun up there in the uh, tundra in the wasteland of of Fairbanks. Oh yeah, lots of, lots of fun. So it's been yeah wrapped up a bunch of accuracy shooting with the uh, several M1 carbines, which surprise surprise they're not that accurate. But um, <laughs> yeah, just kind of wrapping that project up. That's going to be fun one to write about. Like I've I've been a gun a gun nerd my whole life, and I like all kinds of different guns that go bang. So. Yeah, well, uh, man, I appreciate you sitting down. Um, you know, it's easy. It's we get pretty wrapped. We get a lot of cool stuff to get wrapped up in, and uh, and I know people. Several, especially after our last one, several people asked me to get you back on. You know, at least there's a few a few people out there that enjoy hearing this. So you know, we got a few updates on you know kind of what that 22 arc is, and you know who knows, maybe we'll we'll do another one here in a month or two. And, and see yeah, what's no, going it, it'd on. be it'd be good, and and honestly, this feels a lot like some of the conversations you and I have almost on a daily basis. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much a daily basis. So, <laughs> so that's okay. That's what that's what makes that's what makes it easy. So, I think the only other thing I think the only other thing I was going to add, kind of gun gear stuff, is I uh, I'm trying. And well, I've told you this. I'm trying to get I'm getting hold. We're getting a hold of a few suppressors and. You mentioned it earlier, but suppressors have just become, I mean, so much more popular since, I mean, I got my first one in 2008 or 2009, and that was kind of the cusp. And I think, honestly, it was probably Facebook or social media that, like, enlightened everybody that, hey, these are not things that are that terribly hard to get. And then companies like Silencer Central and Silencer Shop um, with their kiosks, like, have made it so much, eh, just, like, cut. Not that it was hard, but cut some of the bullshit as far as filing your paperwork and and, and completing that. Um, and hopefully that leads to someday them being like totally unregulated because there's so many of them out there now that they would have a hard time with it. But uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm, you know, you've accumulated a bunch and I'm get, I'm accumulating some, but some of these titanium cans are pretty cool. Like I never really have hunted with them. I never took one sheep hunting because they were almost too heavy. Like it just was not worth the weight. Um, but yeah, like, and like I mentioned, like a shorter barrel rifle with a titanium can that weighs like, I think that silencer coast scythe I have with the mounting hardware weighs like eight ounces. So it's, yeah, it's something, no. but it's, but it's, but it's pretty light. And then, uh, um, I'm working on getting one of the rugged Alaskan titanium 360 cans, um, which is even lighter, you know, as I did get to you know, mess with one, um, with the mounting hardware. I really want, for some reason, I really want to get, I'd have to get a special, I talked to our friend Sean Murphy about getting a, a special mount, uh, direct thread mount made in uh half by 32 because for some reason ruger threads their 338 wind mag guide guns in half by 32 um to run that can on there because the last time i had to i touched that thing off on a grizzly bear in the woods at 15 yards like my ears were ringing for about an hour or more um But so that's that that's been another project on my mind because yeah some of the game the game is definitely changing for how complicated and how much you can vary a metal tube. Um, there's some pretty cool I, stuff I out know. there. Well, it's it, well, it's interesting, you know, because a couple a couple of the cans I've really liked that in that lightweight category that banished back country. Yeah, you know, I've you know that that weighs nine point two ounces with the five eight twenty four adapter in it, so that's that's right there. And then there's the Thunder Beast, the T back Ultra Seven, and that's a that that that's a that's a can I use a lot, and that's ten point four ounces direct thread. So, you know, that ten ounce sub ten ounce kind of category. There's a there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them out there, and, and honestly, here's another one I've really liked is the Gunworks Six plus ti that's 9.2 ounces so the same weight as that banished backcountry they just had a recall on that because they did a they went a little too deep in the engraving on the main thing yeah. and, and I'm, I'm so i sent mine back they're going to get that back to me but those those are three of the lightweight cans that i've certainly um you know i've used a, i put a lot of rounds through yeah those, through those well cans. i have i have that that banished backcountry can too and it is like it's about an ounce heavier than the silencer co um the scythe ti but it is a little bit more, it's a little bit smaller in diameter and a little bit more compact. Now, the, the scythe has a, a break end cap. So, like, I was shooting it on that Sig Cross Magnum um, 300 Win Mag. Like, that, that break end cap did cut down the recoil a little bit more, made it just a little bit more pleasant to shoot. But shoot that backcountry can, I put it on that PSA, that uh, Palmetto um, uh, Sabre 6.5. And with, you know, a heavier AR-10 type platform with an 18-inch barrel and a titanium short can on the end, like, you don't really feel the can. And, you know, if you're not just going to be, that titanium gets real hot and it's not as durable as, like, an Inconel. But if you're not just doing mag dumps, if you're, you know, like, kind of a thoughtful shooter, or, you know, as accurate as that thing is, you know, I mean, you could have that be a thousand yard and inside you know, target shooting gun or, or, you know, if, if you feel like lugging one around as a hunting rifle, um, you know, it's, it's, was a surprisingly good pairing. I, I really liked that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we're only going to see more interesting ones. You know, I've got, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been a big fan of elite iron products. You know, I shoot their, 
their uh, Revolution bipod on my big ELR gun. It's, you know, I, I love that bipod for that work. But, you know, they also make suppressors. And I've got their their STFU 30 cal can, which is one of my, that's a little heavier. It's like 14.6 ounces, you know, but that's sort of a mainstay on like heavier profile barrels for me. And I just took delivery of their new um, 30 caliber asset, which is a hyper modular um, 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 can that actually is made out of titanium and lightweight aluminum stuff. So, you know, it's lightweight for its size, um, you know, and, it, and it's got it's got a lot of different features and can be configured with just a straight little end cap. It can be configured with the kind of the brake thing on the on the end, and and it also comes in. Um, it comes in. You know, you can you can have the two stage Atlas rocket booster version of this thing where yeah. uh, where you've got thing, or you can go down to the one. And and with the one, you know, it goes to about you know, 16 ounces. So it's still heavy, but it's a beefier, this is a heavier duty can and it's meant to be, but you know, I mean, but one thing I like about it is how serviceable it is. And you and I were talking about it. And one thing, you know, this thing is threaded five eighths, 24. Well, actually, you know, that insert, you know, undoes, you know, off of the, off Off of the the baffle baffle stack. stack. You can get other inserts for that modular thing. So like that kind of is a multi-use plug and play user serviceable one. This thing looks like it has a lot of promise. Nice. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of stoked to get some rounds through this guy. Yeah. I mean, my favorite, and I, like I've told several people this, my favorite, if, if a person's just wanting to dabble and wanting to get a suppressor that can do, fill a lot of roles. That's, I, I love that silencer co Omega 36 M, or if you have a 4570, the 46M, because you can, I mean, you could shoot that down onto, you know, it, the, it's a modular suppressor that you could, you, I mean, you could use the 46M on a 9mm or a 5.56. Um, I need to shut up about this stuff because, again, just, I can ramble, we can <laughs> ramble on and on and on. But the, <laughs> the other interesting thing I've noticed a lot, well, and I'm, They've probably been doing it longer than this, but the last couple of years, especially uh, a lot of like 3d printed cans, which I've got, I just got one of the, the silencer central speed K five, five, six cans, which is a low back pressure, really short. It's kind of a fatty, um, um, but a really short suppressor that's Inconel 3d printed. And it's funny, you can tell because they're, you know, the rougher texture that that 3d printing leaves, but there's no welds in the entire thing. And B&T, I'm hoping to get a couple of these B&T who makes the, uh, I mean, all sort of, it's like James Bond guns and and the submachine guns that the Army, uh, I think, had recently adopted. They have a couple of titanium 3D printed cans. One of them is a, a 7.62 that, uh, you know, apparently eliminating those welds or, or, you know, kind of eliminates one of the weak points or the weaker points of a titanium suppressor so i'm stoked to use that but i will shut up about that now because i've got to clearly have a problem um, <laughs> but uh anyway yeah man well i appreciate i appreciate you coming on and hopefully yeah some uh hopefully we've got a, st- a, few, a few listeners still hanging on it's uh it's it's a little off the off the normal topic but uh there's plenty of time for hunting and shooting <laughs> Damn Skippy. Damn Skippy. Hunting season will be here before we know it. We're going to have the guns and ammo and the suppressors ready for them. Yep. Got that right. All right. Well, yeah. Till ne- till next time. I, uh, yeah. 
we'll uh, see you later, John. And Thanks, uh, man. listeners, if uh, if you enjoy Tundra Talk, I appreciate it if you leave a good review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. And I do still have some some hats and stickers and hoodies on the website tundertalkak.com.